Timeless Voyager Radio. Self-development radio for the open mind. Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. And I'm going to have with me Dr. Mike Tompkins, who is the Associate Director of the Institute of Science, Technology, and Public Policy at Marishi International University in Fairfield, Iowa. You're probably wondering why. Do you remember Transcendental Meditation from the 70s? Uh, that was uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and of course, he we all know this. He taught uh, the Beatles Transcendental Meditation. Well, anyway, he's still around, and Transcendental Meditation has definitely grown. I guess what I'm going to talk about tonight with uh, Dr. Tompkins is can the group practice of Transcendental Meditation, can it really reduce violent crime? And we're going to get onto that in a few moments. I actually have a, a piece of paper here that was faxed to me, the expert's comment, so I will talk about that in a few moments. But let me start right now by introducing you to Dr. Mike Tompkins. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you, Bruce. All right, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, I have in front of me a very interesting uh, sheet of paper. It says, can group transcendental meditation practice really reduce violent crime and the experts comment I'll read a few uh, possibilities here these are now from my, what my understand these are individuals who are not connected at all with TM is that correct yeah I, I would imagine I don't know what comments you have in front of you but there have been a lot of top scientists in the country who don't practice TM who believe that it does reduce crime all right well I have here in front of me a highly publicized $6 million scientific study which was conducted in Washington, D.C. last summer, and it found that violent crime decreased 18% in the district when a group of 4,000 experts in Transcendental Meditation meditated together. Uh, how sound was the research? And the question is answered by the following comments from a 13-member independent project review board of scientists who spent 15 months reviewing and approving the research methodology and results. I'm not going to read all these comments, but the question that I think that everyone's going to ask is, how could Transcendental Meditation affect the crime in the city of Washington? It's a field effect. It's an effect of consciousness. The idea is that our social interactions are, are the, the, all the events that happen in society they're not just people kind of bouncing off one another. <clears throat> that just as in physical sciences we know that the apparently particulate granular matter is really under, underlying that is really uh, the fluctuations of, of underlying universal fields of energy and intelligence. This is the 20th century view of physics. It's quite different from the 19th century view. Now, do people have to have a degree, a, 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 a doctorate, to understand what you're going to talk about this evening? No, not at all. <laughs> I hope it'll be pretty simple. But, you know, I think a lot of our understanding of how things happen in society is still sort of locked in the 19th century. And that we can talk about social fields, fields of consciousness. And what happens with Transcendental Meditation is it's pretty obvious that the reduction of of uh, the mental temperature and the relaxation of the body and so on releases stress from the individual. And what happens when TM is practiced in groups together in a city 
is, if you will, the social temperature, the social stress levels come down. And the stress is a breeding ground for all kinds of, of crime and violence and all kinds of negative and violent tendencies in society. So if you can reduce the social stress through this group practice, you can reduce violence and crime. The, the point that you're making, though, I guess, if I understand it correctly, is that we are all connected as human beings, and so whatever we do seems to have an effect uh, on, a, uh, on a subtler level. And so I guess if you go to that level, you can affect the uh, people. It's a reverse uh, equation. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that if you can release the stress in yourself, that has an effect socially um, on other people who aren't practicing TM. And it's quite a powerful effect. Even the square root of 1% of the population in a society can have the effect of reducing violent crime levels, accident levels throughout that society. And this has been shown now in 42 different scientific studies. All right. The question that I have here then is, uh, why do you think the conventional approaches such as police and prisons have failed to make a significant uh, dent in violent crime? Because they aren't operating at a deep enough level, you know. They're just trying to put a cap on something where the pressure is building up inside. You need to, you need to get down to a much deeper level and eliminate the stress in the society, which the crime is just a manifestation of. Now, of course, you're used to the fact that people find this hard to believe, right? Oh, sure, and that's why we've been doing research on it for so many years. Now, of course, I remember uh, back in the uh, very early 70s, that uh, what was known about meditation at that time wasn't very much, and your organization was the one that actually brought forth all of the scientific studies that now everyone who talks about meditation uses. Yeah, that's true. There have been about 500 studies, and they actually haven't been done just by the TM organization. I think 200 different universities around the world have done research on transcendental meditation. So you've always been pioneers in the field of meditation and its effects. Oh, absolutely. And we've always wanted to bring it out in a scientific context because that's the age we're living in. So the, the reason I said that is because it's no surprise then that you would have uh, a study like this, which would, I guess, <laughs> blow everyone away, right? Yeah. And, you know, what happened in the 80s in Washington is we saw crime go down about 40% over a five-year period when there was a group of 300 to 400 people practicing these programs. And we did a study on that, and we had about, I think, 39 other studies done in different parts of the country on similar groups. And we, we were talking about this as a crime prevention technology to mayors, to police chiefs around the country, but people wanted to see it demonstrated. So we decided to do this in the summer of 93 in Washington and brought 4,000 people together to show that crime could be brought down very dramatically and very quickly, and we got an 18% drop over two months. Okay, now the problem, as I see it, uh, or at least, you, and of course, you can correct me if this is not the problem, but it looks to me like the problem is the cost, and the cost is $0.10 cents a citizen per day. Well, it's a pretty fractional cost. I mean, Washington, D.C. spends $1 billion every year on public safety. And how much did it cost for them to have an 18% reduction? It was about $5 million. So we're talking about, oh, maybe, a, maybe about uh, one-tenth or two-tenths of 1% of their total budget. Might it cost $5 million to have people sit and meditate? Well, you basically brought in 4,000 people from all over the country. We actually had people coming in who were practitioners of TM from 84 countries. And so yet we were putting them up in hotels at university campuses, and uh, a lot of these people, of course, were taking time off work and so on. So it, uh, it costs money just to maintain people doing this. 
The way we'd like to see it rolled out, though, in cities, if they'd like to use this to drop crime, is you could integrate it into a jobs program for the unemployed. You could uh, teach it to city employees. It could be integrated into ongoing programs that we're already paying for. So I guess the the whole thing is about the idea that they have to do something. Now, it's it's how long do they have to meditate in order for this effect to occur? Well, in the Washington program, it was about an hour to an hour and a half twice a day. The normal transcendental meditation is practiced 20 minutes, 30 minutes twice a day. But uh, this was... This included not just Transcendental Meditation, but something more advanced called the TM City program, which involves this yogic flying technique. And when you do that, it's a longer program. So in Washington, this was going on for, like I said, about an hour, an hour and a half, twice a day. All right, we're, we're going to have to come back to this yogic flying because I have no... I'm sure that the listeners at this point are... are, are well, we're, we're, I'm sorry, we're finding it all hard to believe, but, but I'm, I'm, this is Timeless Voyager Radio, and we want to at least explore the idea. Um, the point, I guess, that needs to be made here over and over again, though, is that it actually worked. Now, you have studies that show that the 18% decrease in crime was not related to anything else. Is that correct? We looked at what the police were doing. We looked at what the community in the way of uh, community initiatives were doing. And they had no effect on the crime. And they, in most cases, continued after our intervention period when crime went right back up again. So the studies, the, what I want to say, though, is the study that you have is a conclusive... What is the statistical significance of the study? I mean, what is, how, how close to... Well, the probability that this was due to chance or that this was a statistical fluke is less than 1 in 10,000. It's extremely so robust. That's more statistically significant than almost every study I've ever read. Yeah, more statistically significant than any sociological study I've ever seen. That's, that p-value is excellent for a physical study. Uh, we are talking about transcendental meditation uh, a little bit differently from the way that you have been used to hearing about transcendental meditation. Uh, Dr. Tompkins, one of the things that I have here, of course, is I've got the American City Project in front of me, uh, a proven program to eliminate crime in every city. I have in front of me about four different studies that have been done, charts and graphs, all kinds of things that were faxed to me. Uh, I guess the bottom line question that people always ask over and over again about Transcendental Meditation is, what exactly is it, if it can do all this? Well, it begins as a simple technique for allowing the mind to settle down to a state where it's completely awake inside, but not engaged in any thinking activity. And when that happens, the body also settles to a level of rest that's much deeper than sleep. So it's it's, an, it's taking an inward dive to a state of deep, restful alertness, which is really a fourth major state of consciousness, transcendental consciousness, which is as normal, as natural for us as being awake or sleeping or dreaming. But wait, wait, I, I have to ask you, why, not, why can't any group of people get together and meditate someplace and have an effect like this occur? Well, anyone, any group getting together, practicing transcendental meditation anywhere would have uh, but this effect. I'm, I'm asking you a different question. Oh. I'm asking you what makes, all right, what makes transcendental meditation then different from other types of meditation or even prayer, for, for uh, example? Well, for one thing, it's not involved in concentrating and it's not involved in contemplation. A lot of prayer might be contemplating or uh, concentrating on something. And TM is more like if, if you imagine the mind as a pond of water, 
TM is like diving in, whereas concentration might be trying to tread water and con contemplation might be swimming around on the surface. TM is sort of diving down into the depths of the mind where you experience thinking at its quieter and quieter levels, more infant states in the development of a thought. Until many times in each sitting of TM, you transcend to a state where there's just this feeling of tremendous peace, tremendous expansion of awareness, a kind of sense of unbounded awareness where you're not thinking about anything, but you're more awake, more alert inside than you are normally. So it's very, uh, very refreshing and very integrating to the mind and the body. And then there's something called the TM City program, which is a more advanced form where in that state of transcendental consciousness, that state of restful alertness inside, there are certain kinds of mental activity which can be introduced, and they produce uh, a lot of different effects, but mainly the effect is to enhance the kind of mind-body integration that occurs through TM. All right, well, I don't claim to... Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, well, we'll just leave it alone. So, but, but the, most, the bottom line here is that the program has worked, and uh, scientists and criminologists have agreed with your research. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's an empirical kind of practical phenomenon. So but what's holding up the whole thing, then? If, 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 if people know that it works, why can't we use it? Well, we certainly can. I mean, we've, we've been out now to mayors and police chiefs in many cities around the country to tell them about the results of this latest study. And I'm hopeful that a combination of public and private groups will get together and start establishing these groups of people practicing the TM and TM City program together to reduce violent crime. I think the phenomenon has now been so well proven that we can have a lot of confidence in it. All I right, listen. You may not have seen it before because uh, it's so new, it's so unusual for people to accept. Okay, now we're going to take a break. When we come back, your calls. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Mike Tompkins or myself, we're, I'm sure you've got questions about this. We are talking about something that seems rather interesting to me, at least. That's why I wanted to have them on the air. They have hard evidence. Now, this is, I'm going to say this for a reason. Listen to the word now. They have hard evidence that transcendental meditation practiced in a group of citizens affected the crime rate by 18%. I mean, it made the crime rate fall by 18% in Washington, D.C., in 1992, in the summer of 1992. Here's something very interesting. There's no hard evidence that suggests that more police, more prisons, or stiffer sentencing reduces crime. So isn't it interesting that Congress passed a $30.2 billion anti-crime package, and they do not have any hard evidence on it, and yet here is something that actually has hard evidence that people find hard to believe in or skeptical of. Uh, Dr. Tompkins, we're going to take a call from uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Hilton, listening to WELI 960 AM. Welcome to the show, Hilton. Thank you. Is there anything that goes on in the world, whether intentional or otherwise, that is the opposite of your meditation, which increases crime? I'm not exactly sure what you mean. I mean, uh, for example, uh, temperature is very much connected to crime, usually when it's hot violent crime goes up. When it's cooler, it drops. Usually there's more crime on weekends. There are seasonal effects as well. There's more crime in the summer than in the winter. Um, there are factors like that. They've looked at geomagnetic fields. They don't seem to affect crime. 
And uh, as Bruce just pointed out, the uh, extent or density of police coverage, uh, neighborhood watch programs, and so on, there's no evidence that they actually uh, have much of an impact on crime. Well, I think the, the strongest are precipitation, also rain, temperature, and weekend effects seem to be the strongest predictors of crime. Well, what I had in mind, and maybe I could have worded it differently, but uh, let's say if, if people are in an altered state of consciousness, which scientists say they are when they watch TV, it isn't really the same as awake, and they watch a horrible show all over town, uh, it's not meditation, but it's a kind of mind activity and so on, does that have some cumulative effect, like, say, what the idea of the collective subconscious or whatever it is, that that would make crime? Well, I think it must have some effect. I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts recently, and I went to see that movie that came out, uh, Natural Born Killers, and the man in the movie theater lit up a cigarette, and there was this tremendous anger that burst out. The ushers had to come in to prevent a fight, and obviously whatever we ingest from our environment through our senses or whatever has an impact on our internal state and that would probably precipitate you know could precipitate into violent acts um, I think you know what what we're what we're sort of trying to drive at in doing this kind of research is that uh, there is on the other side of it something that can be done which will dissipate that stress that we might be reinforcing through different types of behaviors and sensory inputs in our environment that can dissipate that stress and kind of get it get rid of the roots of crime you know what i would like to see if you were to do this meditation in the afternoon or the morning when the worst shows are not on tv when people don't have their worst activities when let's say a percentage of criminals types aren't up yet early in the morning and, of course, the crime rate is less to begin with, but that at that time, do you have a greater effect? That is there less of other forces thwarting you, a greater effect in reducing crime? Whereas, let's say, if there's a horrible show on TV all over town, that you would have a minimal effect at, at that hour. Yeah, it would be interesting. That might show some other things that we should be trying to get rid of in order to lower <laughs> the crime rate. All right, Hilton, thanks a lot for the call. We really appreciate that. But this is a claim that's being made by a number of independent scientists and criminologists who have looked at the study. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we had a review board that included some of the top criminologists and social scientists in the country, including from within the D.C. area, University of Maryland, American University, University District of Columbia, Howard University. Um, and they're the ones that really designed the experiment. They evaluated the data, and they reviewed the conclusions. So it's not, I mean, it's, it's as much their study as it is ours. All right, we, we uh, talked about this a minute ago, but uh, let, let's just come back to this for a second. Um, what sort of response have you had from mayors of cities? Actually, I've been very surprised. Since we've been taking the results of this study around um, and meeting with some mayors and police chiefs, it's been extremely warm. Uh, we've been to, uh, let's see, St. Louis, Kansas City, Oklahoma City, Madison, Wisconsin, and a number of other places where I've been, and Dr. John Hagelin, the head of the Institute, uh, has been to other cities. And everywhere it's been very, very warm. I think there's a kind of yoga of desperation operating. Nothing is working, and people are increasingly willing to look at anything that has some strong evidence to support it. And the main question comes up, how can we 
Well, there's two questions. One is, how can we pay for it? And secondly, how can we get enough support to, to go ahead with something like this? And I think the key is community support. We have to also now take this knowledge, this information, to neighborhood associations and community groups, because they're the ones that will really make it happen at the municipal level. All right, let's take a call uh, and find out what uh, John uh, from Tampa, Florida, has on his mind. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've been listening, and, and the word transcendental, that means it kind of goes over the air or throughout, you know, different places. I wonder if you couldn't, uh, like, have a, a, a large gathering of people in the central area, area and then uh, televise it to, like, public broadcasting to different cities or different communities and have some effect that way. Well, it's... Uh the effect is analogous to, you know, an electromagnetic effect, but it seems to be occurring at a much deeper level. You know, in physical terms, they talk about the unified field right. of natural law, which is much more subtle and powerful than, than the more superficial electromagnetic fields. And uh, that's probably the level at which this effect is being propagated. So it's true, as you point out, um, the effect does seem to fall off at distance. So it's important to locate the group, you know, in a population area. And the further away you get, the larger group you would need to influence a larger area. You know, so it's generally, as I said, the square root of 1% of a population is generally enough for that population, practicing the more advanced TM City program. In Washington, we had three, three, 4,000, actually, at the peak of the experiment. But that was because we wanted to get a very dramatic and sudden result. And I think that if that if a group much smaller, maybe three, four hundred people, were maintained in a city of Washington size, Washington's about three quarters of a million, greater metro is two and a half million, I think over time, maybe over two, three years, you would see a gradual trend of crime falling away. But you were suggesting the idea of television being part of this. Now, I guess you had the idea that if people could watch what was happening, it would somehow affect everyone? Possibly. And, and a couple other questions I had was, do these people have to be centrally located in a city for this to work, or, or, or would it work better if they're dispersed throughout the city? And That's then a good, also, good question. And, uh, and also, would it be better, if you have to have them centrally located, to have them located in a high-crime area? Would that affect that particular area especially, since it seems to be population-based, and if you had them on one side of the city, but you had a great number of people, would it affect the far end of the city as it's sort of distance-related? All right. Uh, yeah. Dr. Mike Tompkins, your, uh, your comment, and uh, John, we're going to let you go. Is that okay? Yeah, I think he's right. Uh, it does seem to be uh, distance-related. So if, if the group were centrally located, uh, that would be good. If it's located in a high-crime area, it will be the intensity of the effect will be more closer to the group than further away. Um, in the Washington experiment in the summer of '93, the 4,000 people were dispersed in nine locations, principally because that was where we could find accommodation for them: universities, hotels, and so on. Had we been able to have them all together in one place, the larger the group of people practicing the TM City yogic flying technique together in one place, the more powerful the influence. All right. Now, uh, what 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 is the next plan here? You've you've uh, done this study in Washington D.C. You're out. Uh, I guess I, let's use the right word. You're out selling the idea to uh, various cities. Uh, uh, is anyone interested? Yeah, they're interested in Kansas City. Um, there is some interest in Madison, 
Wisconsin, um, and I think um, in a few other places as well. I think the next step is to is to get out into the communities and let the people know about it. I think government really reflects us. It's really controlled by our own collective consciousness, and it's in a sense just a mirror of us. And so we have to we have to show this evidence to people through programs like yours, Bruce, and and um, make people aware that here is something that's working, and that the the things we're spending our money on are not working. So maybe we should take a city and give this a try over a period of a year, let's say, and see if indeed the effects are there as we would expect them to be. All right, what would that cost for a year? It would depend on the size of the city. Let's Let's say you take a city uh, of a million people, it might cost uh, between 10 and $20 million. Now, uh, what what would it cost? Well, what is it costing that city right now to to actually to be losing in crime? Well, Uh, and, and wait, wait, now there's something else. I mean... Is 18% a big reduction? Oh, it's huge. You don't, see, you don't even see a 1% reduction. You, there is nothing that's been shown to reduce violent crime, period. Generally, it trends up. Um, you know, an 18% drop in, in a two-month period is just completely unprecedented. So, in answer to your question, I think, let's take Washington, D.C. They spend a billion dollars, $1 billion every year on public safety. That means police criminal justice system and the courts and so on. Um, if you could drop the violent crime rate by 18%, over time it means you would have a potential savings of maybe a fifth of that budget, which is $200 uh, million. All right, so this this actually translates out into a savings. Uh, now, of course, the oh, I guess the problem then is you overcoming skepticism and objections from the public and from the police. Exactly, and everybody feels broke. So what you have to do is tie it into some programs they're already doing. One of the things we've been suggesting is there are job training programs, there are various uh, criminal diversion programs like drug court where kids are sentenced to some kind of rehabilitation instead of going to jail for for drug-related offenses. You can plug this into something like that and get a significant-sized group. Now wait, wait, but but can you trust these people to actually meditate? Well, you'd have to you'd have to monitor the whole thing, and it would have to be very carefully supervised. But yeah, so what you could okay. So what you're saying is that, and I I mean I've heard this before. Anyone can learn how to meditate. Mm -hmm. All right, anyone can learn how to do this TM City program. Sure. Does is that C I T Y City? Uh, S S no, it's S I D H I City. It's a Sanskrit word. It means perfection. Uh, what, uh, well, we don't have a lot of time for this, but what exactly is this uh, program? Well, as I said, uh, people who've had a couple of months' experience of this state of inner restful alertness, they can, int- they can begin a more advanced technique where they learn how to introduce some mental activity into that very settled inner state. And that has the effect of stabilizing it more rapidly in the field of activity. So the same kind of effects of growing mind-body coordination and greater alertness, intelligence, and so on that come through TM are sped up and enhanced through the TM City program. In particular, this yogic flying technique, which is one part of it, where the body actually lifts off the ground for a second or two and then comes back down again. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're That's actually very, talking about uh, levitation? You're yeah, talking about levitation. It's a levitation technique. And it, it has a very powerful effect of integrating mind and body. And when that happens, when the body lifts off like that, there's sort of this, this surge 
of energy. And I would say that the effect of spreading coherence out into society is most intense at that moment. So the TM City, particularly the yogic flying, is a very powerful technique for creating this social coherent effect, which is what's resulting in lower crime rates. That's why it's used in these experiments. Well, we have talked about Transcendental Meditation as an anti-crime program. Let me see if I can uh, assess this the way I see it at this point. You have hard studies that, statistically, that are statistically significant and absolutely prove that the program has reduced crime in Washington, D.C. by 18%. You can save a city like Washington, D.C. as much as $200 million. So what stands in your way is public opinion, is that right? Yeah, I think the acceptability of something that's so new and radically different from what we're doing. You would think that public opinion would be go ahead and do the thing because it's going to save the money. They would probably... I mean, why would someone argue then to keep the status quo if you can actually show them that everything they've been doing is not working and you're willing to go in there and, I mean, why don't they want to try it? Well, I think people do want to try it, and that's what, what has really pleased me when talking about this study. The problem is, of course, let's say D.C. is spending a billion dollars a year on public safety. All that money is committed. They're already paying the salary of all the policemen and the judges and so on. So to find additional monies to start this up and get it going, you know, so that later on they can cut their budgets uh, is, is tricky. And that's why I think we need the cooperation of the private sector. For example, in Kansas City, we're working with a couple of foundations as well as with the city to see if we can get this thing started. So basically what we're looking at then is that at this point, at this junction point in history, you can't get any cooperation from the uh, government because they're already committed in something that doesn't work. Yeah, and I think we would get tremendous cooperation from them if we have strong popular support. I think the, the city officials and so on that we've met, they, they like this idea. There's so much evidence there now, and the whole climate in the country has changed a lot in the last few years. People are more open-minded to these kinds of things. So we just need to get more popular support for it, and I think it'll happen. All right, we're going to have to end the show. We've, we've run out of time here. Thank you so much for being on the show. At-